Our scripture reading this morning comes from uh, the epistles of John, 1 John 1, verses 1 to 4. It's towards the end of the Bible, uh, towards Revelation. So 1 John 1, 1 through 4. Before we read, let's come to God in prayer. God, as, as we just celebrated your grace through the sacrament, we also celebrate your grace through the word. We thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that again, as we read your word and begin this Advent season and uh, talk about carols of Christmas, but words that proclaim Jesus and uh, what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. So open our hearts and our minds again this morning. Uh, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us in this place at this time um, so we can hear what you are speaking to us, what you're speaking to me, what you're speaking to each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 John 1, 1-4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we write this to make our joy complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today, as we've said already, that it begins a season of Advent, leading us towards the celebration of Christ's birth on Christmas Day. And during this season of Advent, this season of anticipation, a season of excitement, a season of curiosity, as mentioned, we'll be using carols of Christmas as our theme. Today, good Christian friends rejoice is the Christmas carol that is used as a theme. This song is a 14th century medieval carol that used to teach Bible stories to peasants by using folk music. Perhaps you can kind of picture this medieval setting with flutes and this dancing to the beat of the song. Maybe you wanted to do that earlier when we sang the song. But the story of Christ's birth is being shared in song. And as people heard the Bible story, people would be called into a relationship with Jesus. And also, people were called into action. Rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Like the song, the beginning of John's first letter is teaching us about the Bible story and is calling us to a response, is calling us to action. The beginning of John's message affirms to us how Jesus Christ is the word of life. And the word of life has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. We've experienced Jesus Christ through a relationship with him. And as John states several times in this passage, we've seen it, we've heard it, touched it with the eyes and ears and, and hands of faith. We share Jesus. We share the gospel in the fellowship and the community of believers. We seek to bring that word of life to others. And so 
we rejoice with heart and soul and voice that the word of life has come to earth as the Christ child. And the word of life is still present in each of our lives today. As we study the passage this morning, I think it's important that we first take a bit of a step back and understand the context of John's letters. Because what's behind the scenes is important. Churches struggle. And so we all need to hear the message of the gospel, whether it's through songs, through preaching, and through the word of the Lord. The letters of John indicate that there were difficulties for the leaders in the early church. In 1 John 2, 18 and 19, it suggests that there was a split that was going on in the church. And some members even left the congregation in an uproar. John, in fact, uses the word antichrist in these verses to describe people's sinful behavior. So these letters of John indicate that John is not a stranger to conflict or struggle. These letters were written in the midst of controversy and conflict. A once unified congregation began to be disunified and going in different directions and was torn apart from within. Now, there's not a lot of information about who the opponents were or what the specific issues were. It's not specifically mentioned in his letters. And according to historical evidence, the struggles and conflict led to actually John's congregations dying. However, through his letters, it seems that there were people who denied the incarnation of Jesus. And if you notice in the New International Version, the NIV Version, um, actually titles this section of John, The Incarnation of Jesus. Incarnation has the word carnal in it. Carnal meaning flesh. And John is stating that Jesus became flesh. That Jesus became human. Jesus, one of the persons of the Trinity, becoming flesh, becoming human, is a central truth of the Christian faith. In fact, we're going to hear more about this in a few weeks when we hear from John's Apostle John, uh, the book of the Gospel of John, John 1, verse 14, where he states, Word, the Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. John is saying that the incarnation of Jesus is a doctrine. It's a truth. It is central to our faith. And yet, people denied that God came down to earth in the flesh as a, as a child, as the Christ child. People denied the power and presence of Jesus Christ on this earth. And there were people who were opposing this truth and truths of the faith. And this created great struggles and controversy inside the church. Now, doctrines and truths of the faith are important. They are absolutes in our journey of faith. And yet, through the opening passage, John is stating that these truths, these doctrines, have to be more than just a truth or a doctrine in our head. It has to be more than just truth and knowledge. This truth also has to be something that we experience in our life. It's not enough to know that Jesus is God in the flesh. John is stating that people need to experience this truth and proclaim the truth of the gospel. 
So how does this ancient text bridge the context in which we live today? Well, today, churches struggle. Churches today still face conflict. There are people who are challenging the deity of Christ and, and the humanity of Christ. And there are those who claim to be Christians today and even embrace a faith that says, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. And today we still live in a world where there are competing religions, there are competing truths. John's opponents would easily admit that they were Christians, but John is speaking against them because they are missing the truth about Jesus and ultimately missing a relationship with Jesus. And you know, sometimes it's so difficult for us today to discern how tolerant or intolerant we're to be, right? I mean, there's macro issues that the churches deal with. These macro issues are, are based, again, on the absolutes of faith. They're important. They're major issues that challenge the truths of Scripture. In that local context, each church kind of has its own micro issues. Still important, but lesser, non-absolute issues. And each church always has conflicts to deal with. Every church has degrees of conflict. Conflict are not, and controversy are not new to the churches. It was in the early church, and it's in the current church. The successful churches are the churches who now know how to deal with conflict in a healthy way. So controversy and conflict can't be ignored. Ignoring conflict is an unhealthy way to look at things and to lead. However, in the midst of controversy and conflict, unity and common ground need to be stressed. And that is what John is emphasizing in this opening part of the letter. John points our attention back to the center. John refers to the word of life. He's saying that Jesus is the word. He is the living word. And he brings life. He brings life eternal to those who believe. Now, our nature is that we are dead to sin. Our nature, in fact, is that we, we end up entering into conflict with one another. Happened right in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve, conflict with the Lord. We fall short. So on our own, we are doomed for eternal punishment. But our gracious God does not have us wandering on our own. He sent his son to be the word of life, to bring life. So in the midst of conflict and struggle, John focuses on three areas in this letter. And he focuses on that the word of life is revealed, the word of life is experienced, and the word of life is shared. Revealed, experienced, and shared. The word of life is revealed. Comes from verse 1. John is eyewitness to Jesus. Jesus is the word made flesh. God has revealed his son to his people. Jesus really and physically walked on this earth. He was born. He lived. He died. He rose from the dead. He was a real person. And he bodily ascended into the heavens. And then John goes on to state that Jesus has always been. Jesus was already at the beginning. 
And he's not referring to Jesus beginning his life on earth, but he's referring to the beginning of creation of this world, that Jesus was already present. And it was at his birth that God chose for him to enter into our space and enter into our time and take up residence here on this earth. Again, as I mentioned earlier, John 1 verse 14 states that the Word became flesh and He made His dwelling among us. God revealed the Word of life to His people in the person of Jesus Christ. So John also points out that the Word of life is to be experienced. As noted in verse 2, Jesus is the Word of life. He's not the word about life. He is life. And this life appeared. And John talks about Jesus' life on this earth, not only from a theological argument or perspective, but rather one that is experiential. It's experience. It's a personal encounter with Jesus. It's a personal experience with the word of life. So John is not only appealing to our intellect about the truth, but he is appealing to our experiences and our emotions and our senses. Again, notice how often he's referring to seeing and hearing and touching. John has seen Jesus, and he can testify to Jesus on this earth. John has touched Jesus, and John knows this to be true. Because he's experienced a relationship with Jesus while Jesus was on earth. There's historical evidence that Jesus is real. People experienced Jesus on this earth. People entered into a relationship with Jesus, the human, and God. And although Jesus is not physically present on this earth today, we are still able to experience a relationship with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. We enter into the presence of the Lord through, through coming into worship, corporate worship. And this morning we could experience the real presence of Jesus Christ through the sacrament where the Holy Spirit, real presence of Jesus, as we taste and feel and smell the bread in the cup. And this grows our relationship with Jesus and increases our faith. So as we go out from this place, the relationship and his presence does not cease. The word of life is experienced in our lives. The word of life is shared, as stated in verse 3. The word of life is proclaimed. As we are reminded in the song, Good Christian Friends Rejoice we're reminded that the gospel message is shared. We proclaim the word, we share the word, we tell others, and we do so that we may also have fellowship. Fellowship refers to our participation, our partnership, our communion with one another. Again, we had fellowship this morning through the sacrament. And through the worship service. That's why it's important for people to take part in the sacrament. We bring each other closer to one another. It's important for people to be at worship. We come together as God's people. It means that we have something in common. We're able to share in the grace of God. And the blessings of the gospel. Christian community is something is about something shared. 
Christian community is on account of us having in common our Savior, Jesus Christ, the word of life. Christian community is partnership and fellowship in the experience of Jesus Christ. That together, as God's people, we share in the body of Christ. We're united. We are a united body of Christ. That together we're able to break bread. That together we're able to drink from the cup because of what we have in common. And of course, just as in the early church, just as today's church, there's diversity among us. There is disagreement among us. But we can't let these issues and conflicts be confused with people. They're issues. And that shouldn't stop any of us from experiencing the grace and power of Jesus Christ through his word and through his sacrament. Through the word of life, we have mutual benefits and blessings. And so we need to share. Not just share in worship and share in sacraments, but we also need to share where God is at work in our lives. When we get together with God's people, again, sure, we can argue and be at conflict at times, but if that's all we're doing as a church, that's the work of the devil. John states we need to proclaim and be in fellowship. And when we get together, we're called to experience where Jesus is at work in our lives, not where the devil's at work in our lives. Share stories of God. Christian community is about our relationships between one another, But as John also states, Christian community is also about our relationship with our God. Triune God, the Father and the Son through the work of the Holy Spirit. And John is reminding us that there are issues that are important. And sometimes these issues, as we hear, are central to our faith. And he's not denying that at all. But John reminds us that Jesus is the center of our beliefs. And only Christ. And so our faith and our relationship with Jesus is experiential. It's based on our experiences. Just like we're to have fellowship with one another, we're to have fellowship with our Father God and His Son. So when we get together as believers, if we are unable to talk about our, our experiences in our relationship with God, and this is likely not Christian fellowship, it's fellowship, but not Christian fellowship. Christian fellowship, Christian community is shared experiences about our relationship with the Lord. This week, London Christian High School invited a speaker to a pastor's breakfast. And Sylvia Keysmat was her name. She's the theologian and pastor and author. And through this discussion that was had, we were reminded over and over again how important it is to tell our stories, especially in times of conflict and disagreement. We're to share, we're to listen, where people are on their faith journey. It's important for us to listen to people and the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's people. Share stories. Presently, our church is in what is called a faith formation cohort. Um, you're probably familiar with the Ritter Church Renewal Journey, formerly, formerly known as Ritter. Now it's Church's Learning Change. So that team continues on. But we also have another team set up as a church. 
and that is the faith formation cohort, and there's about five or six people in there. Where a team in our church will be sharing stories with other churches and listening to their stories. The Christian Reformed Church has a, as a core value that is emphasized through the faith formation journey that our stories need to be heard. Because our stories are stories of where God is at work in our lives. We can't just assume everybody knows it. It's where are we experiencing the presence of the word of life, the living word in our lives. And even where there is conflict, God continues to work and make his presence known. And his presence needs to be shared because that is what we have in common. If we just have knowledge of Jesus, then Jesus is just a doctrine. He's just somebody that we teach others about. But if Jesus is a person, which he is, and we believe that he is the word of life, and then we experience him and our testimony of who Jesus is and what he has done in our life will be powerful. Jesus is word of life. He became flesh. He is relational. And scripture, as we have it before us today, praise the Lord, is full of stories. And we can read stories about Jesus being born and Jesus teaching at the temple at the age of 12. Stories of him weeping and stories of him being killed. And these are events and these are experienced. And because we can know Jesus through these stories, we can know God, that God is not beyond our reach. God has a relationship with us as his people, and we have the opportunity to respond and have a relationship with him. Friends, may 1 John 1 convict us to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And if you have entered into a relationship, enter into a deeper relationship. Because Jesus is real. And he is to be real in our life so others can see him and so we can be in Christian fellowship with God's people. John closes off this section with a statement in verse 4. We write this to make our joy complete. Christian friends rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Christ was born to save. Christ was born to save. And together we say, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Holy God, Savior God, and Spirit, incarnate God and word of life, we bless you and praise you for being our triune God. We praise you that despite our circumstances of brokenness and sin, and even in the midst of conflict, that you don't abandon us. Lord, work in us through your spirit to turn to you always. Work in us through your spirit to not only know the truth about Jesus, but to live the truth in our everyday life and to be in a deeper relationship with you. Lord, we enter into this Advent season and prepare our hearts for the celebration of the birth of Christ and prepare our hearts for your second coming. Be near to each of your people and enter into our minds, our hearts, and our lives. And it's only in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.